this week we have reached our first million plays of our Enneagram 2.0 podcast and we are super happy with this but we are happy especially because we've been doing long episodes that are also sometimes deeper than uh, you know some other uh, podcast propositions out there and uh, perhaps not for everybody and uh, this is why we're super grateful with our first uh, million plays. Wow, one million downloads, that's great. So um, thank you everyone for listening and for caring about the Enneagram and investing in your own growth through, uh, through the Enneagram system. It's exciting. Um, that's an exciting benchmark. That's, a, that's great. Welcome to the Enneagram 2.0 podcast. I'm Beatrice Chestnut. And I'm Uranio Pais. And today we're talking about uh, repressed instincts, which I know everyone loves to hear about. And more specifically, we're talking about the social repressed instinct and what the nine types look like uh, when they have the social instinct repressed. So in other words, self-preservation types and sexual types uh, that have social as their third in line, third in their sequence, which in our view of the instincts and the subtypes, we see as being more repressed, something that's even more than a blind spot, something that's almost unconsciously kept out of awareness. Since these are instinctual drives, they have a lot of energy behind them. Um, and so unconsciously, we really almost have to push them under under the the rug you know with our foot uh unconsciously of course so we all repress one instinct and today we'll talk about what people look like of uh, the different types when the social instinct is repressed anything you would say by way of introduction Uranio? well first this is um the second episode of a series of three episodes right. a few weeks ago we did the episode on the repressed self-preservation instinct mm -hmm. both in general and for all nine types right. and we'll still do the sexual repressed instinct uh, the same way but today the talk is about social repressed I find this one particularly interesting because I've been noticing a few things that I want to share that I think makes it curious. Um, so I'm hoping I can share some of this. And, uh, you know, just uh, also as an introduction, I want to say that for inner work, I understand that the work on the repressed instinct is almost as important as the work on the dominant instinct and the subtype. And it's not very much talked about, though. Uh, at the same time, we do not suggest that people start with uh, this work on the repressed instinct because it's more complicated. It takes more time to activate it. But uh, one can always start um, observing the patterns. And even if um, we take some more time to go for an actual transformation, it's good to be aware of this kind of pattern. And some people know their subtypes, and as a consequence, they know their dominant instincts, but they don't necessarily know the sequence of the other two in what we call the sequence. 
And um, it's an opportunity now, if you're either self-pressed or sexual dominant, and you know it, uh, to know which one is secondary and which one is uh, the repressed one. If you listen to this podcast and notice that what we are going to talk about really resonates with you, then you may consider the possibility of being social repressed. But if you don't relate as much, then you might be social second. Right, right. And I want to say a couple things to build on what you said. Um, I do think people who've been studying the Enneagram for a while, and this topic is a little more advanced, uh, because of course, when people first learn the Enneagram, they often learn about their main type, the type one of nine. Uh, when they study a little more, if they're like us, they get very interested in the subtypes, which is simply uh, whatever type you are combined with your dominant instinct. And there are three instincts for those who are new, self-preservation, social, and sexual. Um, and these are survival drives and they're part of our personality, the instinctual element of our personality. And when they combine with the rest of our type patterns and the passion, they yield our subtype. And the subtype gives us much more explicit, uh, precise, uh, specific information that we can use to grow. And then the sequence is another level of uh, self-understanding that's possible through the Enneagram. Um, and that is whatever instinct you have that is dominant, we usually tend to have one that's second, as you said, and one that's third in line, which we refer to as repressed. Um, I do want to say a couple of things. One is that people who, who are really doing Enneagram work understandably get very interested in, in understanding their, what's going on with the, the repressed instinct because it's actually very fascinating. And I need to give you a lot of credit, Uranio, because um, I don't think I understood really the effects of the repressed instinct and specific repressed instincts until I started working with you. Um, I think you are, you have such a eye for this and you really see it, uh, the way it unfolds for people. And when you point things out that are coming from the repressed instinct, I'm always um, really interested and amazed because it's, it's something I hadn't seen before in the first years of my Enneagram um, study. Um, so I want to really mention that. No, I want to say one more thing is I think sometimes when people do learn about the repressed instinct, um, they really, really want to focus a lot of attention on that. Again, understandably, it's very interesting, as I hope you guys will hear. Um, but I would say, um, if you're newer to the Enneagram, it's better not to look at that first or too early, um, as Uranio said, because you, that what what I see happening with some people is they spent they try to focus on what's there repressed and how is it unfolding for them. And sometimes it, it, they get confused around what's coming from the dominant instinct. So I think working with the repressed instinct is something to do a little bit after you've been really focusing on your main type and your main subtype and your dominant instinct, just so you really get clear on those things. Um, and then I think it's time to study the repressed instinct. Um, but so many interesting things, uh, characteristics, patterns come from what we were pressed. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking about this today. Yes, me too. Thank you. So let's start by talking about some more general things okay. about the social repressed, shall yes. we? Okay, so I want 
just say once more that both the dominant social and the repressed social have similar problems behind that instinct. It's what we call the social complex. Uh, things that have to do with the belonging or, or to a group, to a community, a society, in order to feel safe and survive. However, uh, the coping strategy is the opposite. If you're social dominant, you, you will try to rely on the group more and more and go for that missing piece of uh, belonging, acceptance, but not from an emotional perspective. When I say belonging, acceptance, I'm talking more about an instinctual need for uh, being part of the tribe, the band, so that uh, you can survive more easily. And it's also like I'll, I'll have more chances of, of surviving if the tribe survives. It's thriving as a collectivity. Now, if you are social repressed, you have the same issue of fear around that or even traumas, but the coping strategy is just giving up on that group thing, that uh, collectivity, and uh, just saying it's not for me. And here's a first thing that I see as a chief feature of people who are social repressed. It's skepticism. And when compared to people of the same type, we see that many, many times social repressed people are more skeptical. And sometimes we can say, yeah, maybe it makes sense. Maybe, you know, in today's world, one needs to be skeptical. But the point is, when we distort an instinct, either for more or for less, for dominant or repressed, we are not seeing reality. We are um, reacting from our inner filters. So we see things as not being trustworthy. Uh, trustworthy, uh, while they may be. So this is what happens with social repress. And I have much more to say, but uh, what do you think? What would you add to what I've just said? Yeah, I think that it's really true that um, we also talk about how the social instinct is connected to the father. Um, and often people who have a dominant social instinct um, had some sort of experience, and it can vary, of course. Uh, either sort of really idealizing a father who is really central in their life and almost not letting go of the idealized father or the father that was there who was really you know, influential in the person's life, very central, or um, sometimes the father wasn't there at all or um, wasn't was sort of there but absent, um, not present, not available. And so the child, often starting from a young age, kind of has to replace the father themselves. Um, and of course, this father being um, symbolic of both um, early on in life, when, when the child makes a connection to the father, the first connection is to the mother, a little bit later, they get connected more with the father. And that's a group. That's three people is more than a pair, a dyad. It's a group. And then, of course, the father archetypally also pushes the child out of the nest, takes the child to the world. And um, so that's that all has to do with the social instinct. Um, now, of course, like you're saying, either it's dominant 
and it's really um, it's coming from some sort of complex related to the father or it's repressed. And it also comes from a complex, but the person goes the other way, uh, sort of doesn't, it's almost like too painful to have consciousness around whatever happened uh, related to the social instinct. And so it goes underground. Um, it's like something that we don't pay attention to at all. And of course, the third option is that people have so the social instinct as second in their sequence, like I do. Um, and then some people call that the normal position, but I don't, I think it tends more toward normality. It can be repressed or overexpressed. It can be a little more like the dominant. You can do too much of it. It can overfunction or it can underfunction in the second place. Um, but either way, it's, it's easier to shift into normal range is what I like to say, because I don't think it starts out totally normal. Uh, but with some work, often we can make it kind of more available to us and, and operating in a way that serves us. Uh, whereas when it's repressed, it leads to a lot of behaviors, tendencies, characteristics uh, that come from its very uh, absence uh, and, and in terms of the, how the person operates. Right. And about the connection to the father figure, you know, the mother connected to the self-preservation instinct is the one that archetypally is there in my, you know, unconscious expectations to protect me, to hug me, to, to say, don't go, come to my lap. While the father is the one archetypally meant to take the child and, and the teenager to the world to explore, to conquer, and saying, you can do it, go. And it's okay to, to run uh, risks uh, to do that and to be someone strong and so forth. So that's a little bit why it's connected to the father, but it's archetypes and therefore it's more like mother figure and father figure, uh, not just the mother and the father, of course. And sometimes when we say that, the mother can have more of the masculine energy, the father can have more of the feminine energy, and that can work. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you get the picture. And then uh, social, repressed, guess what? They tend to become less ambitious. They tend to not aim higher or think higher about something. Or when they do, it's not really out of ambition. It's more like out of energy that they are feeling to go and go. And while social dominance may have the, this uh, tendency to, th to think um, in a mindset of grandiosity, uh, it's quite the opposite for social repressed. It's like they, they think less, they, they don't really want to be more or to grow more, they are not as ambitious. Um, another thing that I want to point out is that, you know, B, when in my experience um, with social repressed, in the many times I did team building sessions in organizations, is that these people, the social repressed, are the ones who don't really buy the need for more team spirit. And they get sarcastic about it. Mm. And it's harder for uh, social repressed people 
to be moved by purpose. You know, this is such a social world word. Yeah. And for social repressed, it takes a little longer to talk about purpose. And, uh, you know, sometimes they talk about mission as in my individual mission and not necessarily connected to something that I will leave as a legacy to the world. That's that's a little bit um, less easy for a social repressed uh, to think about and mostly to feel motivated by. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. So is that enough okay. introduction or is there anything more you want to say? No, I do. I do have a bit more, if you don't oh, mind. Sure, yeah. um, so there is a with the skepticism, there is a, a little bit more sarcasm that I, that I see in social repressed people when it comes to, you know, believing in collective actions, in nonprofits, in social action as a whole. And there is a tendency for some more individualism because social is the collectivist mindset especially if the person is self-preservation dominant, then there will be a lot more individualism and no value judgment here. It's just different. Uh, and, but that leads to less empathy. And I think there is a mistake in general when people think that empathy is something done only with the heart. When it's really, really good, it's done with the heart. But many times we have a more instinctual type of empathy which is like uh, when people are really in the beginning of getting sort of trained in empathy techniques, they need to mimic gestures or, or to do like, you know, nod with a head. Uh, that's more instinctive. Mm -hmm. And social repressed people do that less. Mm -hmm. They don't have that naturally like social dominance have. They don't communicate as much being with the other person. And they might be seen a little bit more as confrontational or not as agreeable, not too easygoing, but always we need to compare these people with the other people of their same types. Because if we're talking about nines, for instance, or twos, they will be still very agreeable. Right. And if we you know, if we don't consider type, then we may make mistakes here in our self-appraisal of this. But it's hard for social repressed to see the other person or other people as much as they see themselves or that very special one in front of me. So they try, they tend to have a blind spot on this, but putting others behind or second and not really developing as much uh, attention or even generosity with other people. They can be very generous in a one-on-one -on -one basis, but perhaps not as much collectively. And uh, they tend to be a bit clueless also when it comes to their impact on other people and how they are seen. But there is a positive thing, and this is, is one of the curious things about social repressed and that is they are the most frank the most transparent what you see is what you get less conditioned by image or politics because they they just don't care as much you know they are not there to be approved by everybody again 
you need to think, oh, is this a hard type, two, three, or four? Then it changes a bit. Mm -hmm. But from an instinctual perspective, there is not as much of a need like this. I'm a five. Fives usually don't uh, feel that need. But as a social dominant, I do. Mm -hmm. I do have an instinctual need for that. Right. Just saying. Yeah, I also think that um, in addition to skepticism, there can often be fear of groups, uh, fear of being with others, um, and even a kind of need to hide or avoid. And of course, if the person's had trauma, sometimes they've had trauma related to groups like being bullied uh, or being uh, left out or um, being humiliated or embarrassed in front of groups of people. And that's also something to look at. Sometimes there's a correlation between that kind of experience and being social repressed. Although, of course, we, we hear of social dominance that also have had hard traumatic experiences related to groups as well. Um, but I... It's like they make it more of a trauma than the social repressed people. Right. And, but the trauma might be there and being less, they, being less aware of it. Right, right. Being less aware of it so that it kind of controls how they uh, keep themselves out of groups. And one of the, I want to mention something funny that you pointed out that I always laugh about. And that is, you know, we do a lot of group work. You know, we lead retreats and workshops. And of course, we do a lot of online now, but we also still do in-person retreats. Um, and so, of course, that's one of the ways, one of, one of the, one of the um, places we see this unfold, this experience. Um, and when we, whenever we take a group picture, um, you always say, all right, social repress, no hiding in the background. Uh, because when we first started doing this, you would always point out how, oh, there's a social repressed or two that sort of are in the back hiding behind someone else that don't even want to be in the group picture. I always thought that was such a good example of yeah. how the social repressed people can, can be. It's impressive how that really works. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you talked about fear of groups. So one last aspect, <coughs> when we teach the instincts, <coughs> we sometimes talk about a more collective and historic um, dimension of instincts. And social repressed is usually connected to a very big fear of punishment uh, in group settings. It could be persecution, as in torture or prejudice or ostracism, but it's like memories or um, just, um, you know, something, a sensation that all of a sudden I can be persecuted by religious reasons, political, ethnic, race, social, economic, whatever. So this is a little bit behind, as we see it in our students, behind the social repression complex. One more thing I want to mention that I don't think we've mentioned so far is that people who are social repressed, and we've seen this in, in group, the groups we lead, um, sometimes they aren't as conscious of how they impact people. Um, and again, people meaning when they're among, you know, more than two people, um, how they, they might say things that are tactless or that offend people or that bother people. And it's like they don't notice. Um, so it's almost like lesser social skill 
um, and not really realizing. And it, at the risk of being a little bit controversial, I just want to point out an example that everyone might know. And again, without expressing any opinions, positive or negative, um, uh, we think that Trump, Donald Trump, may be social repressed. Uh, our hypothesis, it's only that, about his instinctual sequence is sexual self-pres social. And this may explain why, even though many people like him very much, um, sometimes he says things that are a little bit shocking or a little bit offensive to certain groups of people, and he doesn't really seem to be too careful about that. Um, so that might just be one example um, among many we could use. But maybe it's better to go to the types. What do you think? Yeah, talking about Trump, let's start with AIDS. Let's start with AIDS. And yeah, let's talk about AIDS who have the social repressed instinct. What happens in the type dimension when the social repressed, social instinct is the repressed one? Let's start as always with the body types and starting with AIDS. Shall yes. we? Okay, so what I notice with AIDS is that they become um, really more revolutionary on one hand or more radical on the other hand, if you, you decide what uh, take to have. But uh, sometimes we describe the sexual eight as being the very intense, provocative one. But I also think it highly depends on where social is, if social second or social is last. I'm not completely sure if the sexual instinct being first or the social instinct being last is more, um, more important to make a Nate be more aggressive, more confrontational, more uh, outspoken even. Uh, so I want to point out that that happens a lot with social repressed AIDS. But, and I'll say more, but I really want to hear Yeah, you. but I, I, I wonder if what you really are meaning is more aggressive, more radical, more confrontational versus revolutionary. Because I think of, for instance, social dominant AIDS as being revolutionaries because and that we might yes. differentiate between a, maybe a noble revolutionary or someone like that. Like, yeah. like I think of yeah. Karl Marx, for instance, may have been a social eight, you know, the solidarity movement, the um, focusing on how workers are being exploited by the owners of capital. Um, that, that was very yeah. revolutionary. And I think he may have been social That's dominant. Right. So there may be social eights who lead revolutions sort of in the name of the people in the name of helping the dispossessed or the less fortunate. Uh, whereas I think I agree with what you're talking about, but I think it's a, maybe not simply revolutionary, but more like you're saying, more radically confrontational, sort of not really having as much empathy for the group or for others or how they'll be perceived, but um, being more uh, asserting their maybe individualistic point of view. Is that what is that what you're saying or? Yeah. What would you add? Exactly, exactly. I was really uh, thinking of the bad revolutionary. <laughs> the bad here, revolutionary, not the good one. yeah. But probably it's not the best word. And I think, I think also what I mean is that, you know, that person, and that happens a lot with uh, social repressed AIDS, that when they come to a position, they break all the rules from the previous leader. Mm. 
then they make everybody follow their own rules only to break all the rules again to show that they keep being in charge or something. Mm -hmm. Social dominant aids can also do this, but it's more like a social repressed aid that does so. And they go for very controversial positions in in whatever they say. Uh, and uh, they might be seen as people who speak the truth, but at the same time, they do things, you know, without really considering others as much. So the, the aspect of AIDS, of uh, finding it a little harder to have empathy for others, get even more emphasized in the social repressed eight. And they might become even more dry or more um, averse to, to collective needs. Yeah. Shall we move on to nines? Sure. Okay, so social repressed nines. They, in my view, it's very common that they are more uh, like introverts, mm -hmm. people who speak less, who are not there really, you know, participating in, in the group. And because all nines, regardless of the instinctual sequence of subtype, they tend to make themselves less because of the fixation of indolence. Uh, then the social repressed all, many times comes across as, you know, not, not being interested as much in whatever is happening, but mainly not being interested in, in being a fundamental part of what's happening. They work more silently and they show off the least of the whole um, um, 27 repressed uh, instincts of, of the nine types. So I think, I think that, um, that it's, it's, it's very interesting to see how nines can at the same time be um, willing to uh, go along with other people and doing things for them when they interrupt them but not really be very empathetic, mm -hmm. not really be so um, moved by what is happening with the other people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I, I try to explain that nines are not really about other people. They are about anything external to them, mm -hmm. things also. And social repressed nines are really not much about people. They are more about um, things going on. In the outside so they they are not really connected easily to others yeah it make, makes sense say? i would say I, I agree with that um i think introverted is a good word i think more comfortable on their own or with a partner with uh you know one other person um and and i think it's it's like getting more shy around groups of people that's how, I think somehow that's that's sometimes the way I hear them explain it, like shy, not, like yeah. most nines, you know, may not be very outspoken in groups, or they may not be the first people to speak up. They may see themselves as less important than others out of the fixation of indolence. Um, but I think 
it's even more so for social repressed nines. It's like there th- there's much more resistance to stepping out and being seen, uh, more discomfort with being the center of attention than the average nine, even though most nines don't like being the center of attention. Um, more right. discomfort and even some fear uh, around sh- showing up in the group, being seen, having people pay attention to them. Now, of course, I think deeper down, nines tend to want to be heard and be seen. Um, but for the social repressed nine, I think there's a lot more discomfort that keeps them from trying that out or stepping out or risking having some more attention on them to meet a deeper need to be uh, more visible and less invisible. Right, good points. And, you know, we we usually stress the fact that when people don't know the subtypes, um, they mistype quite a bit. But I want to say that sometimes when we don't know the repressed instinct, we also mm-hmm. mistype. And social repressed nines are perhaps the most mistyped of all. Mm-hmm. Because social repressed nines not always see themselves as being as agreeable or as paying attention to others or coming across as being as nice. And, and sometimes they are actually a bit more controversial and so forth. So many times, depending on the more stereotyped description of mm-hmm. nines, they don't find their correct types. I just want to point out that there is this added benefit of studying the repressed instinct, which is being more accurate in typing and not stereotyping as much what the nine types are. Right, right. Interesting, because I also was when I when you said that, I also thought that social dominant nines also tend to be mistyped um, often as twos Mm -hmm. or threes. Um, because they tend to be so active and so hardworking and supporting of others. But um, I think the social repressed nine, uh, for different reasons, as you say, that's very important that it leads to mistyping if you're not figuring this into your calculus. Yeah, in our professional workshops, part of our professional certification, we teach students a, a typing interview method. And during that interview, students don't really ask much about instinct, but they need to know about it. Uh, And they need to consider that so that they don't mistype people as much. So that's part of the training we do. So that's important. Now, let's move on to one. Okay. Um, So social repressed ones tend to be a little less attached to rules, in my view, to following the rules. And they can even break the rules at times. It's like they won't break the rules as much as other people of other types, but they will break the rules more than the average one. And it's also a little bit about, um, you know, know, not fitting in. And, And that makes it hard to discern between a social dominant and a social repressed one because the social dominant instinct is sometimes called called the you know the non-adaptability the one that doesn't feel adapted to the social context for reasons we have explained in the past in our, some past episodes but 
you know, the social repressed also feels like that. But perhaps in a less critical way of the group, it's more like, I don't want to know. It's like I give up. I don't pay attention to that. Um, so it's important to know that when the when one instinct is repressed, we stop paying attention to that area of life, that sphere of life and society. And that happens a lot with uh, social repressed uh, ones. And then they also become more visib visibly critical. They, they, are not, uh, they don't have as much tact as all social repressed, as you explained. But for once, that comes across uh, in a way that anger is more easily seen and felt by other people. Anger being the passion of type one. What would you add? Yes, that's very complete. Um, I wouldn't have too much more to add. I would just say that, um, you know, the, the social one is we often say that they take the position of the teacher or the role model. So I think the social, the social repressed one might be less of a role model. <laughs> um, don't try this at home. Um, just being more uh, out there with criticism, anger, um, direction on how to do it right, um, their own individualistic maybe opinions or view of how people need to be. You know, I know the sexual one can be that way, fixing things out there in the world, fixing people out there in the world. Uh, and so I think ones, a lot of ones, When I like when I do a typing interview, I notice that a lot of what they say has an influence of a sense of anticipating how they're going to impact others, right? Like, yeah, I might get angry, but it's inappropriate to say this in certain settings because people will think badly of me, or you know. And I think the the social repressed one has a little bit less of that, a little bit less of that voice inside saying what's appropriate in a social setting uh, that might sort of influence how they actually express their type. Um, so I, I would say, yeah, a little bit more uh, maybe anxious or critical or uh, focused on what they need or how they think things should be and less attention to uh, what other people are seeing as the right way or other people uh, in general. Right. Yeah, good points. Let's move on to type two okay. and talk about the social repressed two. This is the first thing I want to say about the social repressed two. Many social repressed twos hear this from people. Oh, before I knew you, I thought you were a difficult person. I thought you were, you know, very hard, very, you know, non-welcoming. But then I got to know you, and you are so nice. <laughs> This is a very typical thing that social repressed choose here. It's like they, you know, although they are choose and they are very nice with people individually, they they have this, uh, you know, stern face. They 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 look like they are not as nice as they really are, and they don't don't mind much about how they are seen in that collective way. Uh, of course they do because they are hard types and they are choose, but it's not 
as much as in I'll put energy in shape shifting in ways that people will always see me as being nice. That doesn't happen with social repressed Jews. It's much more on a one-on-one -on -one basis when they get to know others and they are not as much out there, you know, as social Jews are a lot. Mm -hmm. Another thing is social, social repressed Jews, sometimes they, they flatter the other but they make mistakes when flattering the other because flattery is very much associated to a social instinct thing, mm -hmm. you know, the political thing. And uh, from an emotional and mental perspective, choose do that. They try to do that, but many choose do it in a way that other people say, ah, I don't like that. You know, that why is this person saying that or doing that? Because, there is this clueless aspect of the social repressed when it comes to being more political. Mm. But what would you add? And you are a two, and I, I guess you can add very interesting things here. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, when I think of the social repressed twos I know, I would say there's a little bit more fear of not being seen in a positive way by people in general, you know, there can be a little more focus on that special person um, or a few special people and a lot and more fear when it comes to, you know, being in front of groups of people, let's say. Um, one of the things social twos are really good at are like speaking to groups of people. I've never met a social two that didn't say they actually had a lot of comfort with that. And most people you meet in general of all types will say they have some sort of fear of public speaking or something like that, um, but not social twos. But social repressed twos, again, a two wants everyone to see them in a positive light and wants everyone to like them and, and maybe even be attracted to them. Um, but when the social instinct is repressed, I think there's a little more fear that's still important, but there's more fear or even imagining that it's not going to happen. And so there can be more um, subtle attempt, attempts at um, seduction or more um, focused or targeted attempts at flattery or, um, you know, ingratiating oneself. Um, and in the group, I think the two becomes more quieter. Um, a little bit more um, wanting to blend in with others, um, a little bit more um, non-controversial, you know, like, okay, I'm in a group, I'm not going to say anything that's going to make me stand out or make me make people think uh, badly of me because I feel more vulnerable. There's a lot more feeling of vulnerability um, when you're with more than uh two people, let's say, two or three people. Um, and so I think it can make the, the, the two seem, even sometimes I think maybe a little more nine-ish, you know, um, or even relate to, I've heard, it's so funny, I hear every once in a while, I hear a two really relate to being a five, you know, which is sort of the opposite of two. And I think that might be the social, uh, uh, either people who've gotten really, really into some sort of intellectual pursuit, or people who are socially, socially repressed. Mm. Very good points, Bia, I like that. 
Let's talk about threes then. Okay. Unless you have something else to add. Let's talk about threes. Okay, so social repressed threes also get a lot mistyped in my experience. I agree. Because threes are many times um, wrongly uh, described following what the social three is. Not all threes are like that. Right, and I at all. I think in the Enneagram world, the only three that a lot of people know is the social three. Yeah. They, people, if they don't know the approach to subtypes that we teach that comes from Claudia and Ronho, they, um, they don't even really know what a self-preservation three or a sexual three is like. And so they think all threes yeah. are social threes. And so I think it adds a lot of confusion, especially for a three who has social repressed. Yeah, because social repressed threes do not resonate much with the big need that threes have of sustaining a public image. That's not it for a social repressed three. I know social repressed threes that to these days have never really jumped into any social network Mm -hmm. platform, that they hate this kind of thing, that they hate people who are show-offs and they try to be discreet and not you know be seen and so forth so that is a three still with the passion of self-deceit the fixation of vanity but just being a social repressed three and uh you know all social repressed people be have another interesting uh, tendency and i mean of all types Uh, they have this unfortunate tendency to do something that will damage their image, especially if things are going well for them, all social repressed of all types. It's, you know, each uh, repressed instinct brings us a particular tendency for Mm self-sabotage in that thing, in that area of life. And for social repressed, People get more prone to what? To scandals. Social repressed people. But for threes, I just see that it's even more. Social repressed threes get more prone to scandals. And uh, I'm a big believer in the fact that we all create our own reality according to our personalities and our own ego. Meaning that our type defines what our life will be it's like our our life is a result of our own state of being i believe in that a lot personally and i think that threes create social repressed threes create this tendency to undermine their own reputation at times although they are threes you know they they have perhaps a little more concern with image than most self uh, social repressed three, uh, types, but still they they run that risk a lot, and sometimes damaging one's own image is might be a very hard and bad thing in practice for life, but might be even a good thing for inner work and growth when it comes to to uh, waken up what would you say yeah i would say um it it can be a three that um works really hard and does a lot but more on the down low 
um, that feels really uncomfortable um, being the center of attention or um, being out there in front saying they're successful or um, wearing the icons of success. Um, someone who would much rather be um, working hard behind the scenes or in support of other people. Um, and it's a little bit funny because the social three is also the three that's the most aggressive and the most competitive. So I think threes that have social, the social instinct repressed often really um, react against any idea of being competitive or um, being aggressive in like winning out over others. Um, it's people that feel really uncomfortable and kind of react against that kind of thing that just want to be for others that are uh, want to be, um, but again, on the down low in the background, because I think also social threes can be very socially conscious and can, you know, do big things for the world. But I think social repressed threes just would rather do that um, behind the scenes uh, in ways they control and feel much more shy about um, being being too exposed out there, um, even if it's uh, in something they do well. Yeah, very interesting. I like that. Yeah. So force, social repressed force. Here's something I want to say, and I really don't mean being critical and I don't see anything I'm saying as being better or worse than any other thing. But what I just see as, as a fact is that social repressed force become even more self-absorbed than other force. And they tend to be seen by others as being more unpleasant. Unpleasant as in unsympathetic. Mm. They, they don't make much effort at all to please others. And they get more with themselves. It's, it's really like, I don't give a damn to what all of you are thinking or feeling about me. I'm just this and I'm different and I'm unique. So I'll just keep being like that and that's it. You know, and, you know, force, they have this paradox as hard types, they can relate a lot with how other people feel, but not always they, they have the best degree of empathy because they are much more inside themselves than with the other person. Mm. And now what I see is that because they are more self-absorbed, the social repressed for is even less good in empathy. Mm. So what is your take on this? I, find that, I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I find it a little surprising because I, I'm thinking of some of the social fours I know, and, and again, no offense to any fours out there, but they're pretty self-absorbed. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's a little paradoxical. Fours are paradoxical in these things. The self-preservation four doesn't look like they're preserving themselves and the social four can not always look very social. Um, and I think part of the, the social thing for fours is for me, it's about shame, right? The social fours feel the most shame because it's almost like a four in a group um, is a, a lot focused on people are seeing me negatively, you know, 
like I'm in touch with my deficiency and I imagine everybody sees it. And so social fours can be a little paradoxical in that they actually feel like misfits or like they're not going to be included in the group, even while they're very tuned in to uh, the social context. Um, but also very, very much with their own feelings about what gets stirred up by the social context. I guess I would think so. I would think of social repressed fours as being a little bit more about shamelessness. Um, and maybe you're getting at that a little bit in some of what you were saying, like, um, yeah. like, like not having much shame, like being a little more aggressive or assertive. Um, if they're the sexual four, you know not really being very tuned in to things they might say that are offensive or just kind of really um, wanting to be seen as special and competing against others more. And the self-preservation for who has social oppressed, um, you know, working hard, being a little more driven by anxiety and kind of doing what they do without always realizing the impact on others. Um, and so I think of it a little more in that, in those terms, as opposed to um, more self-absorbed. Um, again, just because I, I think social force in a very interesting way um, can be very self-focused, even though that sounds a little yeah, yeah, like yeah. a contradiction. Yeah, that's, th these are very good points. And force are always more complex when it comes to instinct, not only subtypes. <laughs> They're special but in that I way, guess, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess the main thing for me is social repressed force don't try hard at all to look nice. Mm -hmm. I think this is the main thing I want to say. And it's not better or worse than fours that try to look nice. Yeah. You know, these are different sort, different kinds of ego, right? right? For all of yeah. us, not only fours. Yeah. Now let's move on to um, the head types, starting with fives. Yeah, tell us, so, tell us so about this, the opposite five yeah. of you, the social repressed five. Right. So as a social five myself, I think I am really um, uh, aware of how I need to act in the world in ways that are not, um, uh, are not badly seen by other people. Or I, need, I, I feel like I need to follow some social guidelines on how to behave, how to come across, or even be more communicative, right? And I can do, as you well know, B, you know me, and, I, and you know that I can even uh, sleep in a pub <laughs> uh, when people are still talking, you know? So one could say, oh, that's not very social dominant, but it is, and I'll tell you how. I make sure that you guys who are with me will be okay with me. <laughs> you know, you'll even say, think that that's funny. Yeah. Uh, while, so I make sure that I'm included in that group and that's fine, I feel comfortable, and then I might do it. But, um, but then, you know, I'm, I, I'm also making sure that I'm not necessarily being seen by other people. Mm -hmm. I, I do that in a corner. Well, what happens with social repressed fives is they really don't care. And they are not there to please others at all. It's, it's like they become even more antisocial than um, other social repressed types out there. 
they they lack social skills. I see that at times, you know, this is perhaps the five that forgets about their friends and people they know the most. They don't stay in touch. They don't talk as much with those people. And they don't make efforts at all to get closer, to be part of, and they don't mind being left out. And they prefer that at times, you know. So for me, it's a paradox. As a five, I want to be out. As a social dominant, I don't. But social repressed fives really disconnect and they, they don't belong and they, they don't do much at all to be there with others and uh, perhaps that becomes a bit more exaggerated as fives and then this five tends to be more concrete in my view less abstract less concerned with um, perhaps with um, existential stuff or abstractions of different things they tend to be more practical, pragmatic, and that would be very different from who I am, as you well know. Um, so it, it's interesting that perhaps this five will be very skeptical. So it's the typical five that becomes a little more like a scientist and not a philosopher, you know, in my view. Although this can always change according to inner work or personal preferences, talking about tendencies here. But what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I think I, I was thinking as you were talking that probably the self-preservation five with social repressed is like the caricature of what we all think of the person who's extremely five-ish, you know, who really likes to be by themselves and really doesn't want to be around people and, and that kind of thing. Um, so it's good to know whether if someone's a self-preservation five, where their social instinct is, because they're likely to be even more what we might think of as five-ish and that they're uncomfortable being uh, with too many people. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it adds to that sense of the five feeling more comfortable by themselves, uh, and being le even less, um, um, interested in being a part of things. Um, and I do think, you know, as, as you know, as a social five, um, with those contradictions, that social instinct really, you know, is something that makes you be much more out there, um, comfortable on stage, um, moved by a lot of passion and, uh, emotion around social causes and, and helping people and things like that. And I think when the social is repressed in a five, they're much more focused on their internal world and maybe on their partner, uh, on their, their world becomes smaller and their level of comfort, uh, being out in the world, uh, goes down even more. Very good points. Sixes. Let's move on to six. Yes. Yes. So social repressed sixes are even more controversial and contrarians. Uh, I, I see that they are less friendly in general. And even when self-preservation instinct is dominant. 
We say that South Press Sixes are very friendly. We talk about warmth for uh, as the subtype. And they are like that, but it's more like a self-pressed dominant six with social repressed is warm with you and they start talking with you and they don't, they don't try to be, you know, the, the warm person for everybody. It's a little less like that. It's not the good guy, the nice person, the team player always. It's just uh, someone who is, is a little bit less concerned with coming across as being, you know, nice and friendly. Uh, and if sexual is dominant, then this is a highly controversial person. Highly controversial. It's, it's really the contrarian and someone who, who brings a lot of uh, disturbing stuff for, for uh, whatever discussion is happening, but uh, sometimes in a very good way. Like they, they talk about the things that nobody's talking about, they name the, the problem in the room, and so on. But I also think that social repressed sixes are even more distrusting, mis mistrusting of people. Mm -hmm. It's more like they, they really have a, a very acid uh, way of speaking, but they have uh, the, whole, the whole of the personality finds it hard to trust. Mm -hmm. So this is a little bit what I see in sixes for the social repressed instinct. What about you? Yeah, I wouldn't add too much. <clears throat> I would say a little bit more of a rebel a contrarian, even in the self-preservation six, which can be more warm and friendly, as you say, but a little bit more kind of going against more, even more skeptical and cynical, uh, because I think the social in the six brings this sense of responsibility to the collective, to other people, um, uh, respect for authority. Um, so I think there's more mistrust, more, uh, tendency to go against the tide and be suspicious of what people are doing in general, what authorities are doing, uh, what the collective is doing, like more mistrust of, of maybe society, institutions, uh, anything collective. Good, good. Finally, sevens. Uh, I think there is a big difference uh, for social repressed sevens depending on what is the dominant mm, instinct, yeah. if self-press is dominant or, or if sexual is dominant. But uh, in general, they tend to be more self-absorbed, mm. more self-interested, right. the social repressed sevens, and perhaps an even bigger tendency to be narcissistic. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about the pathology mm -hmm. here. I'm talking about just a personality tendency or trait. And uh, but I think that all of this is way more of a tendency if self-press is dominant. Anyway, um, the social repress for sevens make them be even less empathetic mm -hmm. with others, not not really be aware of the other in there, and having to learn uh, how to do that. Um, and another thing I want to say is that social repressed people in general, all nine types, 
many times need to developing develop listening skills sometimes they they are not as good in that in general and i think that's certainly true for sevens but what is your view your impression about social repressed sevens yeah i think um in sevens it's interesting because the social is the countertype when they're social when social is dominant the social seven is the countertype and it brings this kind of opposing force uh, to what we sometimes think of as sevens as being really focused on their own pleasure and uh, being their own freedom and their own plans. Um, and so I think social, and I agree with you that it depends on whether it's, we're talking about a self-preservation seven or a sexual seven, that, that, that makes a big difference. But I think it takes away that sense of, um, the sense of like, I should care about others in general, I should serve others, you know, because social sevens have this sense of sacrificing themselves for an ideal of service to others. And if you don't have that in the seven, it's a little bit more focused on what I want, what my plan is, uh, what I want to do, my own vision of the world, my own imagination, my own uh, kind of inner world. So I think there's uh, less, um, less focus on and kind of commitment to um, also including others in the plan, also including others uh, in, in making things better, being happy. Um, it's, it's a little bit more of a self-focus for the seven, uh, a little bit more focus yeah. on even I've got to control my experience. So others, the collective doesn't sort of impose itself on me. Um, uh, so that I can remain free to maneuver. Okay, we hope that uh, you have benefited from uh, listening uh, to all these descriptions of the social repressed uh, folks out there. Maybe you're one of them or not. What do you think? So we, I just want to say, B, that we have so much more material in all of this on CP Online, our platform uh, for members who want to go beyond what we do here at the podcast. And so a lot more content in all of this. And not to mention that in our retreats and workshops, we help people work on all of the things we, we say here at the podcast to overcome limitations like these ones that we cover today. Right. Be more aware. Right. Exactly. Okay, so uh, I think that does it for the topic for today, uh, and it's time for our top five. What's our top five today, B? Our top five today is the top five most generous or charitable types. And we had a little problem with this one, right? Because, like you said, I had this idea, and you said, well, are we talking about ego generosity or higher level generosity? Right. So it's a little complicated, but, um, you know, we'll try to be concise while including that uh, complicated ego yeah. picture uh, in our in our top five. Right. I ended up going for the ego generosity. Uh, uh, most of all, yeah, I went for the ego one. And yeah. because I think that uh, no personality in any way, shape or form ha is in touch with the actual essence-based uh, generosity. None of so, our, none of us are enlightened yet. Most of us aren't, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so it's it's like uh, one needs to be in a higher level of awareness as we teach it, uh, level four in our methodology to get more uh, directly in touch with true generosity. Right. But when it comes to doing a lot for others, to being there for others, to feeling, you know, an impulse to help and so forth, uh, then I think we can talk about our top five. So would you like to start with your fifth? Sure. Um, so I had um, type six as my fifth. Um, because I think generally sixes are pretty generous. Um, in fact, I even was sort of going back and forth in my head, should they be higher? Um, sixes tend mm. to be sort of naturally humble and um, really well-intentioned when it comes to um, being there for others, giving to others, especially people they trust, people in the circle of trust. What did you put for your yeah. number five? Well, you might think that I cheated, but uh, what I did was to say that the social dominance of all nine types are my number five, because ah. I do think that uh, generosity is a bit uh, related to the social instinct, the bigger, the biggest, the, the, the generosity here. And um, I, I do think that it has to do with that. It was just a teaching message that I wanted to convey that uh, social instinct is behind that. But I, I didn't want to put it in on as my first. Yeah. So it's my fifth. Ah, okay. Good. What was your what fourth? What is your fourth? Oh, you want me to say? Yeah. Okay. So I cheated again, but in another way. <laughs> I have a draw. <laughs> And You're full it's of cheating a today. draw between sexual three and social eight. Huh. I think that in different ways, very different ways, these two types can be, or subtypes can be quite generous. Uh, sexual threes, uh, I see them being the most generous, for instance, when someone is struggling in their careers mm. or they are creating a new business. They are usually the ones that volunteer to help. It's amazing for me to see that. Or they, they, they want to please others and they see other people. And, but social weights are also so generous. And they, um, they have this big heart, although you sometimes wouldn't call it heart. But uh, they, they do a lot for people with uh, the caveat that um, AIDS sometimes do it without the other people knowing they're doing it. So it's a draw for me. And what about you? What's your fourth? Um, so my fourth is, and I, I wasn't as complicated as you, um, but maybe I'm not as precise as you as well, but my fourth was two. Mm. Um, and, nice. and two, I think because twos, of course, are known for their generosity. And of course, it is often ego generosity, um, which means mm. in some ways not as generous as, um, as one might think they're being, partly because we don't always see the deeper motives of the two, right? If it's giving right. to get something back, even if it's, I want you to like me, um, that may be something that takes away from the true spirit of generosity. Although I, I know that when twos find this out, they always feel really bad because their intention is to be generous. And of course, I think the growth path for the two has a lot to do with 
getting more clear on our motives for when for giving and seeing that those motives are pure versus uh ego driven um but i still think twos um are are they do have a spirit of generosity even though sometimes it goes bad uh when it's unconsciously just uh for ourselves good so choose are my third Ah. which means that uh, I have been more generous generous with choose than you have been yes. when it comes to how generous they are. Yes. I think that, uh, you know, I agree with all you said. We need to see intentions and so forth. And I think that many times choose have that also as a style and something that, you know, they are being generous at times and not only flattering people. Uh, I think uh, that they're quite a bit, um, but I also don't put them in, on number one or two. Uh, so that's it. Yeah. What's your second? I'm curious. Am I at second or third? Oh, you're third. Yeah, I'm, I'm at sorry. third. Yeah. I actually had one at, at my third. And maybe oh. I'm biased because my father's a social one and he's very yeah. generous. Um Although I would say he's generous with a lot of conscious intention. Um, like, for instance, he really backs certain, certain social causes like uh, wildlife, like in pr preservation of the environment. Um, and he, he gives a lot. He, he's uh, someone who's ongoingly generous um, for, you know, gives to causes that he believes in. Uh, in, a, in a very intentional way that I think is doesn't have very much. And again, I was sort of mixing up the ego-driven generosity with the higher level. Um, but I, I see ones as really wanting to make the world a better place and when they can, um, contributing to that through generosity. Oh, interesting. Good points. I, hadn't in, I haven't included ones in my five. So my second is nine. I believe that uh, nines tend to be very generous, although it's a lot uh, driven by ego, I'm afraid, uh, because, you know, they're not putting themselves in the picture. And that's a big issue for nines when they are being generous and they are dispersing their attention to out there somewhere. Mm -hmm. But having said that, they are experienced as being very generous by people and uh, not selectively. They are generous with whoever is in need of something in front of them and they can sacrifice their time and other things for those people. Right. What is your second? My number two or... is I, I did sneak one tie in there. So it's a tie between mm -hmm. uh, social seven and social eight. Um, uh -huh. So I see social okay. sevens as being quite generous and kind of to a fault, and it is an ego thing, um, but social sevens are very focused on other people, on working hard to support others, to make people happy. Um, often they get mistyped as twos, um, and so I think, but I also think social eights are very, they, their outlook is one that's very much colored by a sense of how do I help other people? Um, they can be generous with their time, like mentoring people, uh, but also with their energy, their strength, their resources. 
Um, so social seven and social eight were tied for me at the number two spot. But I'm I'm a little bit less certain of this top five than often. So what's your what's your uh-huh. number two? Or number well, one? Social seven. My one is first is social, social seven. seven. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that uh, they you know, all that you said and um you know, even more, I think the social seven is um you know, the archetype of generosity and sacrifice for other people. And for doing that a lot, a lot, a lot. Again, driven by ego, yeah. but um, but they do that so much. The social sevens that I know, they go a few extra miles in being generous. And, uh, and, and it's incredible the things that they do for other people. I won't go too much into examples here because of time, but I just want to say that I don't see anyone rivaling with them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've kind of convinced me. I have nine in my top spot, uh, but I think I might switch uh, my second place and first place, uh, and, I, and I think that uh, you were right a lot about a lot of what you said. Um, so very generous of you to switch your mind with uh, given my opinion. See, yeah, two is a two. Maybe I should move two up a little bit higher. <laughs> I know you say sometimes I can be overly critical of twos. It's just that I know the inside story. So, <laughs> and yeah, I think, yeah. and I just, you know, you know me. I'm always, um, I'm always on guard for the stereotype and the misperception and yeah. things like that. Anyway. All right, that does it. Yeah, for and us. I can be overcritical of fives too, um, and I I'm uh, I want to apologize, my dear five colleagues, if I'm <laughs> sometimes more critical of you. Yeah, he wants to apologize for not including you in his top five most generous types. <laughs> okay, so thank you for listening. Uh, please join us again next time for Enneagram 2.0, where we talk about all things Enneagram. <laughs>